0: Welcome to More Than Ink.
1: Hey, sometimes we hear people say that the God of the Old Testament is angry, right. the God of the New Testament is sweet and gentle. Oh, uh, yes. Does the Bible really bear that out? Is that
0: true? Yeah, and we're reading the Old Testament right now. We should be able to get some indication whether that's true or not.
1: Well, there is a place we can go to see what God says about himself.
0: Yes, and today we're going to look at in Exodus 34, today, on, on More Than, Than Ink. Well, yes, indeed, this is More Than Ink. I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we are so glad that you're with us. We are reading our way through Exodus, and... uh Fortunately, we've gotten past the golden calf affair.
1: Yeah, but we're still dealing with the ramifications of it. (laughs) Yeah. So you
0: know, in a way too, you know, when you break a trust, which they did with God, you sort of have to rebuild that trust or rebuild this the relationship. And that's sorta what we're on that's what we're doing right now. Well
1: Moses is still pleading for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so we're we're on the mend in a way. (laughs) And and uh and we'll see exactly how that mend works. One of the mends is the fact that that uh, nuts the uh, the the 10 commandments the two stones with the 10 commandments uh those were dashed at the base right. of the mountain and they're broken gone. to dust so we're going to yeah. have to replace those you'll see that we'll do that today and we'll also get an interesting view into the very character and nature of God and he tells us this firsthand as he talks to Moses so that's that's what we're looking at today if you're following with us we're in Exodus 34 we're reading out of the ESV version It'll make it easier for you to follow with us if you've got a bible open if you use an ESV so you don't have to translate on the fly to get the word straight but uh, but here we go let's find out uh, how how do we go about mending this relationship and what's in store for it between god and moses and the people
1: so before we start reading we probably need to remember that chapter 33 takes place actually in the tent of meeting when moses yes. pleased with the lord uh, show me your glory i want to know your ways mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that i can know you and so then the lord says well okay well i'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock and i'll show you i'll make yeah. all my goodness passed before you right so that conversation right. takes place in the tent of meeting and now the lord's going to say come up to the mountain and we'll do the whole thing over again
0: rerun back up where we started from
1: <laughs> but it's interesting to me that there's there's a big piece of repetition in this actual event that had already been stated in chapter 33 so and it also and makes an interesting comparison when we look back at it so when we get yeah. there i might bring that up
0: yeah okay well let's just let's do it okay so god and moses back together again back on the top <laughs> of the mountain So, why don't you read for us with the top of chapter 34.
1: Okay. So, the Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready by the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you. Let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut out two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hand two tablets of stone.
0: Okay, well, let's stop there for a Yeah, let's stop second. there. So, so we're back at the top of Mount Sinai, and, uh, and he has cut two stones uh, to take back up, presumably so that God can rewrite mm-hmm. what was on the old stones. I might point out, too, I, I, you know, I'd never noticed this before, that he took in his hand... The mm-hmm. two the two tablets of stone, and we always we always see you know big tablets of stone with two arms, you know Charlton Heston holding them up as Moses and stuff like this. But they these,
1: have you ever lifted a rock that size? They're <laughs> yeah. pretty heavy. These must
0: be small <laughs> enough to carry with one hand.
1: Well, tablets, yeah, right. Usually yeah, we use the tablets. term tablet to mean something a little smaller. You yeah. know what struck me in this first reading is how many times we're told that they're stone. Stone, yes. stone, 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 yes. stone, right? These Written are stone. the, uh, stone. it's not changeable. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be exactly the same as it was before. Nothing yeah. has changed in what God expects from his people. Yeah,
0: that's right. And during their day, when you wrote something, you almost always wrote it on animal skins. You get an animal skin, dry it out, stretch it, make it thin, scrape it, do all that kind of stuff. But th- those those had a limited lifetime. Or coming
1: um, out of Egypt, it would have been on papyrus. Or on papyrus, so
0: yeah, but now they're in the desert. That just so rots
1: away. Probably don't have yeah.
0: papyrus, yeah. So, so it's a, that was a very perishable way of writing. This is a, this is deliberately a non-perishable medium right. of writing. That's the writing the is stone, not going to fade. That's what the stone is meant to say. However, he did bust them. Oh, <laughs> well, we will not go into that. So, so we're back on Mount Sinai, and we're we're kind of doing a replay of what we did before. Um, and uh, and God says as you come up, make sure no one comes near the mountain. That's the same mm-hmm. as last time. Don't come near the mountain. Don't bring anyone with you, um, and then bring up the two the two tablets as the the you know the. The uh, the virgin writing material and bring that up and we'll
1: do something about that. Well, God emphasizes here to him that no one be seen throughout all the mountain because if you remember last time Joshua had gone part way up it with him and was up, lingering yeah. Yeah. just outside where all the action was. But God seems to be emphasizing here: this is just you and me, mm-hmm. and there's no mention of Joshua in this passage.
0: There's not at this time. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So, uh, so at this point where we stopped it artificially, we know that we're probably going to get the Ten Commandments back. So, so well, let's just push on and see what happens. So, verse 5. You okay. Want, you want to do it? Yeah.
1: I, I love this. Yeah, I do the too. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord! a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, hmm. visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Okay, okay stop. Yeah, stop, stop, stop.
0: There. Yeah. <laughs> so this is interesting. We, we didn't get the Ten Commandments back, but what we did was we got an answer to, to Moses' prayer previously about, show me your glory. Well,
1: we're going to get the reiteration yeah, of the commandments in a different form.
0: But before we get those commandments, God, God wants to remind Moses of who he is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's worth our time right here this morning in terms of just looking at this, because this is God saying, this is who I am. Yeah. Uh, so as the Lord passed before him, and remember, you know, in the cleft of the rock in the previous chapter, the Lord passed before him, but we only saw the well, backside. Well,
1: okay, so he didn't. He just said, I will. I will. And, and I think this is easy to confuse this. Back in chapter 33, the Lord says, now, when you, in answer to this, I will make all my right. goodness pass before you right. and I will hide you in the cleft of the rock. Yep. I'm telling you ahead of time, that's what's going to happen. Yep. Yep. But here's the actual event. And there's an interesting addition to what God says here Uh, but so i think just don't be confused yeah in chapter 33 it's god telling moses this is going to happen and i will reveal my glory to you and i'll protect you uh, in the rock and then here is the actual event because we had no remember in the previous conversation moses is inside the tent of meeting and the cloud is standing at the doorway yeah. Right? That's right. where that's where the cloud appeared right. at the tent of meeting. But here we have in verse 5 the Lord descended, descended in, the in the cloud and yeah. stood with him there. Yeah. Oh, I just camped on that for a minute and how. Yeah, they stood with amazing. him there. And
0: that's reminiscent of being in the, the tent of meeting. He stood with him. You know, yes. Like face to face. You
1: know what it makes me think of is the transfiguration on the mountain. Yeah,
0: that too. Yeah. Yeah. And this is that same cloud. It's the same cloud the that same you saw. same cloud. Back in Exodus 13, the pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, the same pillar of cloud, Uh, Exodus 33, the tent of meeting we just looked at. So this is the same thing.
1: So it's the visible evidence of the presence of God.
0: Yeah. yeah. So he stood there with him and proclaimed the The name name of of the 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 Lord. Lord. So let me remind you what what that phrase name of the Lord means because this is really important. Our names are all kind of artificially applied to our lives. Our parents pick a name; they they stick it on us. It doesn't really mean too much, but it is identifying well, us. It can, but not normally. Not like the name or of you, the Lord. It's usually yeah. But the name of the Lord, when you talk about the name of something in an ancient thinking, it's really it, it's really a compact way of stating the character and nature that might be hidden about the inside of that person. But it's the it's the character, it's the reputation. You know, he made a name for himself by doing da 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 da. da. It's more like that in our Western thinking. So when you talk about Proclaiming the name of the Lord, he's proclaiming, uh, for one of a better word, his his reputation, or be- probably better, proclaiming his character. Who is this God? What is he really mm-hmm. like? Because that's the name that we'll give him. And if you if you read a lot of the Old Testament, you know that the Lord has given many different names in in different circumstances, based on a displayed character at the time. So, like with Hagar, when she's out in the wilderness, kicked mm-hmm. out by Sarah and, right. and Abraham, she thinks she's unseen, but then God sees her and and deals kindly with her and says, "Well, you're the God who sees." So those kind of ideas come up all the time. What is God like? So here, God says before He reiterates the Ten Commandments, He says. Let me tell you who I am. Mm-hmm. And this is what he does for his right here.
1: Okay, so that set me thinking about back, way back in Exodus 3 at the burning bush. Oh, yeah. When Moses yeah. says, okay, you're sending me to these people. And they're going to ask me, well, who is this God? What is his name? Mm-hmm. Right? And God's answer back in chapter 3 in verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And furthermore you shall say the lord the god of your fathers the god of abraham the god of isaac the god of jacob has sent me to you this is my name forever this is my memorial name to all generations so you know the significance of the god of abraham is the god who made promises to abraham and reiterated the promises to his sons at generationally god said i am i will be to you as i was to your father yeah
0: so well there's even that that emphasis on the the faithfulness of those promises with the duplication of lord lord right i mean it's like i'm the lord uh, yeah same lord like this is a continuation of the same theme he started with the burning bush right the the i
1: am i am who i am
0: yeah And then, in the light of the golden calf incident and all that Mm. blow from that, he follows that with the fact that this is a God who's merciful and gracious. Mm. I mean, it's really exactly full of compassion, is what merciful means. Merciful is about not giving to you what you deserve when you do bad things. You're merciful, you withhold judgment in that sense. So, this compassion is what this means this God is merciful. Uh, He's full of compassion. And it reminded me of Psalm 78 because it it says kind of the same thing. Um, uh, It says that – and this is is actually a psalm of commentary, a song about this thing. Their heart was not steadfast toward him. Mm -hmm. They were not faithful to his covenant, yet he, being compassionate – atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them he restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath so that's from psalm 78 so that's that's the whole thing mercy is a restraint of that wrath and so here he is god is merciful which is good news Mm. because it means it gives us hope that he's going to restore the covenant which he second. and
1: he even expands that he says i'm slow to anger
0: slow to anger
1: you know he hadn't destroyed them yet yeah (laughs) Uh, but
0: we all know people who are fast to anger, and that's really frustrating. Right, I mean, God does not
1: fly off the handle does and not zap you.
0: Right, right.
1: Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Now, that's that term that we love, that Hebrew yeah. word chesed, that devoted yes. loyalty.
0: Yep, yep, yep. It's a love that's its almost contractual. It's like, no matter what you do, I will still love you kind of idea. It's very loyal, mm-hmm. very loyal love and it's it's uh it's translated lots of different ways but here steadfast love i mean it's it's really nice you know we jumped over the gracious word by the way too um, i like this in particular oh merciful
1: and gracious merciful yeah. and
0: gracious because gracious to give is to give you what you don't deserve good yeah. things you don't deserve and in this particular case in the old testament when the word grace is mentioned it's always this this visible word about bending down or stooping down what you know what a king someone of high position does to someone who's of a low position right in deference to them, to be gracious, to give to them what they really don't deserve because they don't have the standing for it. That's this gracious. So here we have a God who's gracious, who stoops down. And in many psalmists, it writes about the fact that when God hears us, he stoops down. He mm. brings his ear near to us like, a, like an adult does stooping down to listen to a child. So this graciousness is a wonderful picture, too, of God saying, I love you, and I'm coming down to your level, and I'm being with you that and this this steadfast love this commitment to love regardless mm-hmm. are just boy this is this is God's character in fact I, I had to go back and look just a second ago remember when when moses asked to see his glory god says i will make all of my goodness right pass before mm-hmm. you and here it is and the here it is. goodness of god yeah abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness faithfulness is to be predictable for that good and this word also is used many times for truth for truth
1: so, the way things kind of really a, are the way
0: things really are and they're predictable and you can come back to them over and over again they'll be the same nothing changes it's faithful it's true real truth doesn't change you can that's rely what this is on it. right it's like a rock the psalmist yeah. call this a rock so so his faithfulness boy i mean wow. those, those together merciful gracious slow to anger abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness Yes.
1: <laughs> well, and then it's interesting he goes on and says, forgiving
0: yeah. iniquity and
1: transgression and sin, because that was Moses' concern. That's that right. God was not going to forgive. Will you forgive? And he was going to withdraw his presence. Remember, actually God had threatened that. He says, I'm not going with you. I'm not going up That's in your right. midst because you're a stubborn, stiff-necked people. That's right. That's no, bad. it is very central to my nature that right. I am forgiving. I forgive iniquity and transgression and sin. That's a very complete picture. Those are yeah. all the yeah. words. That are used yeah. for, for offense against God. Yeah. But, and this Such is an interesting news. but, but I am a God who will by no means clear the guilty. Okay, so this gives us a little trouble here, right? <laughs> how, how can you be forgiving of iniquity, transgression, and sin, but not clear the guilty? Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children. Well, okay, so that seems patently unfair at, mm-hmm. at surface reading, mm-hmm. right?
0: Why should the children pay for what the Father did? Right, but the
1: children are not paying for it. The children are suffering as a result of their parents' sin. Mm -hmm. I think this statement is meant as a deterrent. Mm -hmm. God says, you know, because of what you've done, it's going to be costly for your children. They are going to pay the price not to atone for your sin, but they will bear in their lives the consequences of your sin. Right, they were all gonna be born and raised in the desert.
0: Yeah, yeah, sin has collateral consequences to people that we love around us, and we seldom think about that, because in our modern economy we think, well, you know, if I do this thing and I know it's wrong, If it doesn't hurt anyone else, what's the problem? Well, the problem is you can't foresee how much it hurts other people. And and in this particular case, he's saying it has a widespread effect.
1: Well, and don't you think we see here the evidence of the generational nature of sin, Mm -hmm. right? It's been going on since Adam, and sin is inherited. The consequences of sin is inherited. But I think it's... It's easy to overlook here that probably the most immediate application of this idea is to those children of this generation who are going to die in the wilderness. And, And that gets unpacked for us a little bit in Numbers 14. So bear with me here and I'll read you this from Numbers 14. Uh, 30, mm, 31, 32, 31. Mm-hmm. Your children, however, whom you said would become a prey, I will bring them in, and they'll know the land which you have rejected. But as for you, your corpses shall fall in this wilderness, and your sons shall be shepherds for 40 years in the wilderness, and they shall suffer for your unfaithfulness there until it is. your corpses lie there in the wilderness. It is. So, yeah. their God is saying the immediate application of this is going to be in the next generation.
0: You're to see it.
1: right here in the wilderness your yep. kids are going to be destined to this yep. this desert life
0: and all because as we fast forward the plot line because when they got close enough to go in and they and they scouted it the scouts came back and said well it's pretty good but there's giants and they said oh well we can't do it then or actually god can't do it right god can't do it god can't do this he promised to get us in there but no if we're talking giants i don't think so and so on the basis of that god said well then you're not getting in
1: Right, and the whole children, generation.
0: Your children have to wait until all their parents for die.
1: Caleb and Joshua. That's
0: right, exactly. So that's, so that's the fast-forward fulfillment of this. And you know, a lot of people they mischaracterize God, uh, New Testament versus Old Testament. They like to think, well, the God in the New Testament, you say He's so loving, you know, He's so forgiving, <laughs> and uh, and so merciful. But the God of the Old Testament seems to be judging and killing everybody. And uh, and that you know what is wrong with this picture, and yet here, right here, in just in just two verses, we get side by side the fact that God is simultaneously tremendously loving mm-hmm. and also tremendously just. So, because when He talks about clearing the guilty, He's talking about those who reject God's offer right. of forgiveness, right. who reject God's. God's plan to deal with their sinfulness. And if you reject that pridefully and push back on God, God says, God's justice will now kick in. And that's what we're talking about. And we, I, we've talked maybe before about this, but justice and love really go hand in hand. They do. Because love is, love is to desire the best for somebody else. But justice tells you what's best. Justice tells you what's good and what's bad. And justice is what intercedes when bad is coming on someone that you're committed to love. So without justice, love is just sentimentality. And and uh, justice without love is just brutality. But if you put the two of them together, they sort of make sense. And here they are side by side. Here's a God who's slow to anger and He's merciful and He's gracious and He has a steadfast love that will not stop. And yet, if you stiff arm Him and resist His offers for forgiveness, watch out, buddy, because justice comes.
1: Well, and yeah, and even in the face of His relentless faithfulness and provision yeah. for them for forty years, manna. Every day, every day. Right. Yeah. Uh, even in the face of that, they continued to be stiff-necked and yeah. not trust him enough to go into the land. So, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. There are long-term generational consequences for that kind of resistance to God's kindness.
0: Yeah, totally. That that kind of resistance will really get you in trouble. And I want to point out too, he uses. He uses three words for doing bad mm-hmm. right here. Yeah. Um, you know, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. And uh, iniquity, transgression, sin, without really dis- dissecting those too much, what I get from this is that there really is no, no level of sin that he will not. Forgive. I mean, this covers oh, uh-huh. all the bases. Covers that's, all the bases. Yeah, that's, that's a good. That's way to put one it. way to look at it. But but it's like, and nothing misses his gaze either. Even yeah. the slightest, smallest things. So, and he's willing. He's willing to forgive those things. But listen, you reject that forgiveness. He will not clear the guilty. He won't just wave his hand and say, okay, well, never mind. He doesn't do that.
1: No, and I you know, while we have a second here, let's talk about those words because this word that that often shows up as iniquity means that inward twist. Oh yeah, right. Morally twisted inward self that Mm -hmm. just skews the truth of God. Right. 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 Transgression is a willful overstepping. Yeah, you know you shouldn't do that. Here's a boundary and I'm just gonna step over it. And sin is in, in a New Testament definition is missing the mark. Sometimes you right, are aiming right. at the wrong target. <laughs> right. right. So, you know, no matter what capacity your willful overstepping or inner twistedness is, there's is nothing that is out of God's reach for forgiving if we believe him.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And he, he started this whole thing out saying that he's he's slow to anger and he's abounding in love. I might also mention when we talk about justice, you notice here where he links the sins of the fathers to the mm-hmm. repercussions to the children. Can you imagine how unjust God would appear to us if the fathers were sinful and it brought that kind of life on the children and God looked at the children and said, you know, Too bad for you, but I'm not going to intercede. I'm not going to protect you from what happens here. I think God as much as demonstrating his love for the children as he is for the whole nation when he says, I'm going to be kind of harsh on sin because it not only affects you, but it affects generations. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I am going to intercede. I'm going to bring justice in this case.
1: And in each generation, each generation has the opportunity to not transgress right. in a way that right. will impact their children. Now, yeah. we we have some control over that. Granted, yeah, we, we <laughs> inherit that inner twistedness <laughs> from yeah. Adam, that, yeah. that resistance to God's way and determination to do our own way. But we can live according to God's direction yeah. and trusting in yeah. Him and the lives of our children will, in general, be better.
0: They will be better. They will be better. And if you're a child who Wishes they had different parents that Mm. were so messed up. You can also take heart in the fact that even in every generation, God can renew your generation. Yes. So that yes. happens as well. Well, let's move on because we're getting short on well, time. Well, look
1: at Moses's response. Yeah, what's his response to oh, this? Oh, my And by goodness. the way, I might
0: just say, if you're looking for someone, if someone says, what's your God like,
1: huh. go, to, go, go here. to Exodus
0: 34, 6, and 7, because there it is in a nutshell. Okay, so what's Moses' response?
1: Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Okay, so that's a fairly mild statement. Yeah. If you really dig into those words a little bit, Moses threw himself down that's on the right. ground. <laughs> that's right himself before yeah. the Lord, who had just made yeah. this incredible statement. This is who of I mercy am. and loving kindness this is and my forgiveness. Name. This is Moses my drops to the earth, yeah. face down and said, now, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it's a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. He's appealing to things that God had already promised to do. Right Right back in chapter 25, God had said, build a sanctuary so that I can dwell in your midst. God had said, clear back in chapter 19. Now I'm going to take you for my own inheritance. You'll be my... Yeah, this is not new. so moses is going right back to what god had already promised yeah, saying yeah. let's can we just back up
0: right and he acknowledges they are stiff-necked they're not yep. arguing against that right but i'm kind of operating on what you're telling me about you being slow to anger yes. and steadfast love so can we go back to that it, it is really fascinating that after god like he says in exodus 33 my goodness passes before you his goodness passes before moses and moses's instant reaction is worship He's mm-hmm. blown away by this. And in the process of being blown away and worshiping God, he's still interceding for the people. He's still interceding. Take us for your inheritance. Uh, that's Moses' heart. That's the wonderful heart of Moses, as even in the midst of all these things. He takes God at his word right here for what his name is and said, okay, then can we still be yours?
1: <laughs> yeah, so if you're observant, you will have noticed that Lord L O R D all in caps appears repeatedly here. Yeah. But when Moses is dropped to his face, he uses a different term. Mm-hmm. He kind of backs away from that personal name of God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I I don't have a a strong understanding of that except I think it probably has something to do with his humility. Yeah. He's not name-dropping yeah. before the Lord.
0: No. And his final appeal God said, "I'm not going to go in your midst because you're stiff-necked." And here He says, "God, will you go in our will midst? You, yeah.
1: If I have found favor, yeah. Exactly. And God has given him every indication that He has.
0: Right. And so next time, God says, "Yes." by saying, okay, let's uh, let's go over the covenant again. Right,
1: here it is, I will make let's, a covenant. <laughs>
0: let's do the covenant again. And so next time as we look at the continued conversation on top of Mount Sinai, you're gonna hear a lot of things you've heard before because a lot of these are reiterated from the mm-hmm. first time that Moses and God did this. But God, true to his loving kindness and his longstanding love for the people says, yes, let's do this over, let's start from the beginning again and let's talk about what the covenant looks like on your part and on my part. So, come back with us next time as we take a look at this covenant renewed back on the top of Mount Sinai and we're going to look at it again next week on More More Than Than Ink. More Than Ink is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments,
1: just go to our website, morethaninc.org. I did the last one and it was perky.
0: It was perky. You're right, it was perky.